0: Now let's turn in our Bible tonight to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. Usually if you just open your Bible somewhere about the middle, you'll come to Ezekiel. It's probably about the best way to find it. Just after Jeremiah and Lamentations. I announced this morning that the subject of the sermon would be a picture of an abandoned baby. And I wonder if you had already thought of where you would find a picture of an abandoned baby in the Bible. Well, you'll find it in this very chapter. Ezekiel chapter 16. And we're going to read from verse 1 right through to verse 14. Ezekiel chapter 16, reading from verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem. Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee, To do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxed great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee, and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skin. And I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thine hands, and a chain in thy neck, and I put a jewel in thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thou was decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and broidered work. Thou did eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou was exceeding beautiful, and thou did prosper. Into a kingdom, and thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. We'll end the reading there at verse 14, and we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this evening is taken from Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 5 right through to 8. And my subject tonight, as I have announced it, is a picture of an abandoned baby. Now far too many of God's people look upon the book of Ezekiel as a very complicated book. A book too hard to study. A book whose prophecies are way over our heads. The common thought is it's too hard to grasp and to understand, never mind to read. Many have confessed, have tried to read it, and have got nothing out of it, nothing to do my soul any good. And yet the reality is that nothing could be further from the truth. You see, for example, in Ezekiel 16, you have got here a message from God. A message from God that's very clear and plain. As clear and plain as day. Look at chapter 16 verse 1. What does it say? Again the word of the Lord came unto me saying. Here's Ezekiel. And he's getting a message from God. He's got a message before. He's getting a message now. The word of God has come again. And what did the Lord say to him? Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. Son of man, I've got another task for you. You can just think of Ezekiel. as running through his mind and his thoughts. What is it, Lord? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to go and help the poor? Uh, do you want me to go out and collect some money for the cause of truth and righteousness? Do you, do you want me to go on a preaching tour? Maybe it's a missionary tour to some part of the, 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 the country. Maybe you want me to help to build a hospital or a school. None of those things are mentioned. Look at verse 2. Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abomination. In other words, teach Jerusalem about her true state and condition before me. Teach Jerusalem that there's nothing good in her. Teach her that she's but fuel for hell fire in her present state and condition. You see, the word abominations, that's far stronger than just the word sin. Far stronger than the word iniquity. Far stronger than the word transgressors. It's the worst possible term in the vocabulary of the Bible. The sins of Jerusalem are at their worst in the sight of God. And that's the last place you'd have thought there would have been abominations. The holy city. And the worst kinds of sin are manifested there. And of course, sin is to be shown to the inhabitants of the city. Teach Jerusalem her real state and condition. Jerusalem's blind to it. She's oblivious to it. She doesn't know how dark and desperate her state before God is. Now the rest of chapter 16 as it unfolds is an unveiling of Jerusalem's sinful condition and state before God. Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 1 to 14. She's a sinner by birth. Hence the picture of an abandoned baby. And that picture is true and accurate. Portrait. Of every sinner before God. And then from Ezekiel 16 verses 15 to 35. Jerusalem is portrayed as a sinner by practice. And you've got to think of her lifestyle. You've got to think of her works. You've got to think of the the, the living of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You've got to think of uh, what they're doing before God. Uh, Here the works of the flesh are mentioned that she engages in. And then from chapter 16 verses 36 right through to 63 Jerusalem is a sinner by choice and desire. And that's revealed in the outworking of her lifestyle choices and her defilement. And this evening I just want to home in on one of those pictures. Jerusalem is a picture of Of an abandoned baby. It's a picture drawn by the pen of inspiration. It's a picture of being a sinner by birth. Notice three things here in this portrait. The description of an abandoned baby. Now you've got to think of an abandoned baby. Lying out in the open field. It's been cast out. It's just born. Its navel hasn't been cut. It's unwashed. It's unclean. It's at the point of death. And it's a picture of helpless misery. It's a picture of poverty. It's a picture of every sinner. Not only the inhabitants of Jerusalem, but a picture of every sinner before God. Notice the position of the infant. If you look with me at verse uh, 5, it says, But thou was cast out. That's its position cast out. I want you to think of the place of the infant. It was cast out in the open field. This abandoned baby wasn't left at the door of a church or synagogue. It wasn't left at the door of a big house or near the shops or a bus stop. It was cast out into the open field. It wasn't placed carefully. It was just cast out. I want you to think of the peril of the infant. It says, to the loathing of thy person. You see, the open field was a hunting ground for wild animals. You've got to think of the cold of the night. Uh, Think of the blistering heat of the day. Uh, Think of a a child in the open field uh, being uh, in danger, being trampled upon, uh, trodden underfoot, uh, the margin says. Think of the pollution of the child. In verse 6 it says, And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood. In other words, it was stillness blood. It hadn't been washed. The child was unclean. Think of the powerlessness of the infant. It's just an infant, not a toddler. Couldn't walk. Couldn't talk. Powerless to do anything for itself. No strength of its own. It was a helpless infant. Think of its period in the day that thou was born. It's a newborn. It's estranged from the womb. The moment it happened it was cast out. A real dreadful helpless estate. Notice it's played. Look again at verse 5. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee. To have compassion upon me. Now I want to tell you tonight, this is not an exaggerated picture. This is not excessive. This is not over the top. The image of a newborn baby cast out is a description of each and every sinner by birth. And that's a sobering truth. It's a portrait of our dreadfully state before God. The psalmist could say in Psalm 51, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I want to tell you tonight that a fetus in the womb of a woman is not just a clump of cells. I want to tell you tonight, on the authority of the word of God, that the fetus is a real person. And that's why we as a denomination are totally against abortion on demand. We believe tonight in the sanctity of human life. We believe that every life is precious, whether able-bodied or disabled. To advocate abortion is a simple, a sinful violation of the Sixth Commandment, thou shalt not kill. And advocates of abortion, I believe, are guilty of murdering babies in the womb. And they'll be held to account. Advocates of abortion, of course, deny that the fetus is a real person. But let me tell you something. A fetus can be visualised from six weeks. Arms, legs, baby shape begins to form. It can be visualised as male or female from 15 to 16 weeks. A fetus can be operated on before the birth. It can be visualised from six to 16 to 20 weeks as responding to light and sound. Every fetus, of course, is protected from alcohol, drugs, fags and other toxins. In fact, the fetus has been granted legal status in the courts when a man can be convicted or a woman of causing death to an unborn child through violent abuse. Of course, we are alarmed as a church that over 30,000 domestic abuse cases in Northern Ireland last year have been reported to the PSNI. If it's all true, what I'm saying about the fetus, then the fetus has got rights as a person. And that can't be denied or can't be ignored. And we'd ask the question, when does life begin? We believe as a church, it begins at conception. Listen to what I said from Psalm 51. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You see, the teaching of the Bible is this, that sin and iniquity is a fabric of the embryo from conception. That's what we call original sin by nature when we're born we're born with a bias toward God and the things of God you young people know what a a bowling ball is like, you've been to the bowling alley, you maybe even saw some people playing bowls in an outdoor or an indoor green and you know that the minute the ball leaves the hand there's a roll in it and it doesn't run in a straight line It draws to one side, the left or the right. As it rolls it curves. That's the way it's made. It doesn't run in a straight line. And that's evident from the very beginning of life. Even from an infant. Before the infant is born. That bias is there. The Bible says the wicked are estranged from the womb. Going astray. Speaking lies. And of course you Here's proof you never have to teach a child to sin. Simply go and stand outside some of the school gates, whether it's primary school children or secondary school children, just listen to the language. You think of the manifestation of sin even in the lives of young people. And it's a picture of the natural state of all men before God. Is it any wonder Paul made the statement in Romans 3, all under sin? You see, there's no difference. We're all guilty before God. We're all under condemnation. And of course, that's not a pleasant picture. But that's the truth of God's word. And in in light of God's word, I'm asking, will you accept this as a true picture? The description of the abandoned infant is a picture of our dreadful estate before God that we're sinners by birth as well as sinners by nature and practice and sinners by choice. You see, millions tonight across the United Kingdom and beyond think they're better. I'm not a sinner. And they measure themselves by their own standard. Not the standard of God. Not God's law, the Ten Commandments. They, they think that they're not guilty of perversity or immorality. They think that they're good and they're kind and they've got their religion and they're neighbourly and they're okay. And, and why these things in themselves are right. It's not what men think of themselves. They, they, they've got to come to the place where they see themselves without God, without Christ and without hope in the world. In light of the fact that they're sinners by birth. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin. Did my mother conceive me? I want you to think secondly of the deliverance of the abandoned baby. Look with me at verse 6. See, glory to God, someone came along. And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Look at verse 8. Now when I passed by thee, and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee, and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God. And thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. And I anointed thee with oil. The glorious teaching of the Bible is this. That the Lord saw this abandoned child. In its hopeless state. In its helpless state. And the Lord came to the infant. The Lord took the initiative. The child couldn't save or deliver itself. That was impossible. And of course, regarding God's salvation, men can't save themselves. The Bible teaches in Jonah that salvation is of the Lord. No man can save himself from the penalty, power, or pleasure of sin. If you think of the words, verse 6, And when I pass by thee, Verse 8, now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee. Verse 6, and saw thee. We'll stop there. You see, the Lord took the initiative. He took the first step. It wasn't the sinner who sought and found the Lord. Sometimes we talk about sinners finding Christ, but the reality is we should speak about Christ finding the sinner. The Lord came to the infant, took the initiative, saw its condition, looked upon it in pity and mercy. Some of you have heard of Amy Carmichael. She was born in the village of Melisle. She became one of the most famous missionaries to leave the province of Ulster. She had a difficult childhood, a hard life. She suffered sickness. I believe it was neuralgia, very unpleasant experience. And as a child, she was confined a lot to bed. She applied for the China Inland Mission and was turned down on health grounds. Eventually, she became a missionary to Japan. She spent a year there and then was brought home, again on health grounds. The time came when Amy Carmichael applied to the Church of England Mission Board. She ended up in the land of India and she was there for 56 years. And you know what her main work was in India? The work of recovering Babies, Seeking to win and save babies from Hinduism. You see, Hinduism, to this very day, when you think about girls being born into a family, views and teaches that girls have no value. They're not only the lowest caste in Hinduism, they're lower than the lowest caste. To be born a girl in India is of no value. And those girls that were born in India were often consecrated to the priests. And when they would grow up, they would become harlots for the priest. Of course, that's true of the false religion of Hinduism to this day. Now, you're not going to hear that in the news. The BBC will mock and bash Bible-believing Christianity. And they will laugh and mock at the things of God and the people of God. Whether they're um, politicians or whether they're just preachers or, or ordinary people. I want to tell you, you'll not hear them mocking Islam or saying anything ill of Muhammad. And you'll not hear them telling us this truth about Hinduism or anything about Buddhism. But I want you to think of Amy Carmichael. For 56 years she was there. And while she was preaching and teaching the gospel, her her, her main work. Involved the recovering of little babies, and she took the initiative. And that's a faint picture of what the Lord does to this helpless, abandoned infant. The Lord comes to infant, abandoned sinners, He sees the sinner in their sin, and He comes to where they're at. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's not by chance. The Lord saw and looked. Notice the Lord calls to the infant. If you look again at verse 6, think of the word live. I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. It's repeated twice. He speaks to the child. And what does he say? Live. He hears the almighty word of life. Remember the Lord Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. If he had said live, just one word, everyone in that tomb would have come forth. But he just said, Lazarus, come forth. And of course, Lazarus lived. It was the Lord's effectual call. The word live, as I've said, is used two times. The Lord not only called to the infant, but he covered the infant. Remember, the infant's naked, exposed. And what does the Lord do? He spreads his garment over the child. It says in verse 8, And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. The Lord provided a covering. His own robe. A robe of spotless and perfect righteousness. The Lord cleansed this infant. Then washed I thee with water, yea, thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. Isn't that lovely? The child was unwashed, the child was unclean, and it got a thorough real cleansing from head to toe, and it was the hand of the Lord that brought it to pass. The Lord covenanted with his infant. He said, yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God. The word covenant means an agreement. The Lord cared for this infant. It says, and I anointed thee with oil. I wonder if you've ever heard of the name of Doreen Irvine. No relation to Wesley and Rita, by the way, but Doreen Irvine, there's a book about her. And she was formerly a witch, probably one of the most famous witches in the United Kingdom. And she decided this night, spurred on by the devil, I'm going to disrupt the gospel meeting. So she went in. And of course at this time in the meeting, there was a lady who had been asked to come and sing. And the minute the lady got up to sing, Doreen Irvine got up to uh, say some things about God and the gospel. uh, Against them of course, and wanted to put the woman off. But the woman wasn't put off. You know what the woman's song was? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. And as Doreen Irvine shouted abuse at the woman, the woman sang on the more heartier. And of course then the Spirit of God worked. But before that woman had finished singing, there was a tear in Doreen Irvine's eye. God had spoke to her. The work had begun. And eventually, and that was the beginning of a process, but eventually she came to Christ and she bowed the knee. She discovered for her it was a time of love. The Lord had come to where she were. Doesn't the Bible say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Doesn't the Bible say here in his love not that we love God but he loved us gave his son to be a propitiation for us. Even though we were without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Here's how God shows forth the wonder and the majesty of his love. He, he, he deals with us even though we're in this state and in this condition. He takes the initiative. He comes to this despised, helpless child. He he comes in infinite love and grace. He he calls to the child to live. He he covers the child with a robe. He cleanses the child. He covenants with the child. He cares for the child. I, I anointed him with oil, he says. There's a story told about an old pipe organ in Switzerland made lovely music. People loved to come in all arts and parts of Switzerland to hear it uh, being played. It broke down and for many years it remained broken. It was never played. There was no music. One day the Saxon was at the church. There was an old man approached him and they began to talk and the old man says to the Saxon, what about the organ? Oh, he says the organ's been broke for years. Someone's happened to it, Stop playing, we can't get it to work. The old man says, do you mind if I take a look at it? Reluctantly the Saxon agreed, yeah, take a look at it. So the man worked at it for three days. And he got it going. And whenever it began to play, people during the day, no service, no time appointed, came from all arts and parts of that community, the organs played and they all came to the old church and of course the minister came and they had a service and someone said to him how did you fix it? and this is what he said 50 years ago I was involved in the making of it so I was able to fix it and you see God is your maker Mm -hmm. you're made in his image and he desires you to live he desires you That you might know that you're loved. And he wants to lift you from your helpless estate. And bring you to himself. And tonight if you're without Christ. What you need is the saving grace of God. To accept your condition. I'm without God, without hope and without Christ in the world. And if you realise tonight your need of Christ. Then he'll come to where you are. He's already come. And he'll call to you. He'll speak your name. He'll tell you to live. He wants you to have abundant life. He'll cover you with the robe of righteousness. He'll cleanse you in in the the blood of Christ. He'll covenant it with you. And he'll care for you like no one else cares. There's no half measures here. This is a, a salvation that meets every need. There's a parallel treatment here, really, in the deliverance of the good Samaritan. Grace abounding to the sinner. Notice very quickly and lastly, a defence of the infant. It says in verse 8 as we close, And thou becamest mine. Four words, and thou becamest mine. The infant that was cast out, that no one cared for, God says now belongs to me, is my property. And you know it's a wonderful thing to be able to sing as we were singing there in the hymn number 390. Dear Saviour, thou art mine, thou art the sinner's friend. So I thy friendship claim, a sinner saved by grace, when thy sweet message came. It's one thing to be able to say, dear Saviour, thou art mine. But think about what the Saviour said. Saviour says, and thou becomest mine. Not only I belong to Jesus, but Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. We're, 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 We're brought into the family. And we're brought into the family that we might be adopted. And we might be blessed, and we might be looked after, and we might be kept. And we're brought into the family. And all the blessings of being a family member become ours. And that's what he goes on to unfold. From verse 10 right through to verse 14. And and, and this infant grew up to become a woman. And this woman woman became a kingdom in the eyes of God. And God had richly blessed her and adorned her with everything she needed. To the glory of God. Let me ask as we finish. In light of this description, a helpless infant cast out. In light of this deliverance, the Lord taking the initiative and coming and speaking. In light of this defense, thou becamest mine, my property now. Why neglect God's salvation? Doesn't the Bible not say, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Do you know that in every gospel meeting, the Lord Jesus is passing by. He sees you. He knows where you're at in a spiritual sense. He can look upon you now in your sin. He knows you need salvation. He knows you need deliverance. He knows your innermost thoughts and desires. He knows you want to be saved. Do you hear the Lord coming now? Do you hear His voice speak to you? Would you like to feel His covering tonight? Would you like to rejoice in the cleansing power of the blood? Would you like to know that there's care and comfort for you? That no one cares for me like Jesus. And how can you experience that when you know He has come, and He has called, and He has cleansed, and He has covered? You can have that experience tonight. The defence of the infant. Who's is this infant? God can say, my. Whose is this child? My child in my family. I trust that you'd want to become a child of God. We can't force you, but if we can help you in any way, please come and speak to us.